electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Like, how do you plan to be a good mom and a good business owner at the same time? They're both full-time jobs. Um, you know, and it got to a point where I had a very strategic canned answer to these questions that kept on coming up. And I would say, um, you know, if what you're asking is if I'm 100% dedicated to seeing this business succeed, then my answer is yes. Rachel Drury comes from a long line of entrepreneurs. Her immigrant grandparents started a business when they got to the United States. Even more unique, her mother started a business too, so she grew up around women founders. Today, she's the founder and CEO of Daily Harvest, a young startup that sits at the intersection of nutrition and convenience. You think starting a business is hard? Well, it is. But Rachel started Daily Harvest when she was seven months pregnant, then raised investment funds for the business when she was pregnant again, her story is instructive for anyone who has wondered whether now is the right time to take a big career leap. I'm John Ford from CNBC, and you're listening to the Fort Knox podcast, Rich Ideas and Powerful People. I do this weekly, bringing you the highest achievers. We're going to learn how the very best climb to the top and pull out lessons along the way. If that sounds good to you, make this a habit. Apple's podcast app is the most popular way to do that, but there are all kinds of great ways. Mainly what I want you to do is subscribe so this thing gets to you automatically. One less thing to worry about. Also, get a little closer. Subscribe to the Fort Knox YouTube channel at fortknox.com YouTube. There you'll find videos of some of my favorite moments from these podcast interviews. I sat down with Rachel Drury at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square to get insight into a number of questions, including, is there ever an easy time to do a hard thing? I think you'll come away with a fresh appreciation for what you can get done if you've had the right preparation. Here's Rachel Drury. What I say, you know, Daily Harvest mission is, is to solve a modern eating dilemma. Uh, That modern eating dilemma is the desire for convenience, but without nutritional compromise. So we all want to be able to grab and go, but the options out there today to grab and go usually require some sort of compromise, whether it's, you know, they're ultra pasteurized, ultra, um, ultra processed, hyper refined, whatever it is, there's some compromise generally, unless you're buying something that's fresh, which means it's going bad and you don't always have access to it. Um, and the way that I'm, the way that Daily Harvest is solving this problem is by using the free, the freezer and frozen technology as kind of the vehicle. Um, so, you know, a lot of people associate frozen food, as you mentioned, um, you know, with things like dinosaur-shaped chicken nuggets, uh, frozen pizzas, yeah. gross. Uh, but there's a huge opportunity because things that are frozen are actually picked at their nutritional peak. Um, so if you take a blueberry, for example, that was um, you know that's in Whole Foods, let's say, the blueberry that's in Whole Foods was picked green. It's picked before it reaches its nutritional peak. It never mm-hmm. has time to gain all the nutrients that you know you and I think of when we think of a blueberry. And then what happens is it goes on this long journey to the end user. So it starts off on the farm. It's picked green. Then goes on a truck. 
The truck goes to a warehouse. The warehouse goes to the store. And by the time you have it in your refrigerator, it's pretty degraded in nutrient content. So right now, you're doing, what, smoothies, yes. soups, and parfaits? Uh, so smoothies, soups, parfaits, and nice cream is uh, something that we just launched. Nice cream. Nice cream. What is nice cream? So nice cream is... Um, it's kind of picking up on Instagram and on social media right now, um, but it is uh, ice cream made out of 100% fruits and vegetables. So mm-hmm. you, you blend it yourself using bases like you know bananas, coconut, some of those more um, healthy, uh, you know, fatty, higher starch um, fruits and vegetables. And then no, no dairy. No water. dairy. It has that creamy. It has feel. that creamy feel, and, and the you know the mouth feel of ice cream, and, and it solves the craving. So you say you always knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Your mom was an entrepreneur. My mom was. An Tell entrepreneur. me about that. Yeah. So uh, my mother started actually a, a chemical business, chemical bioresearch company, when she was younger. Oh. And um, you know, I living where? In New York. Wow. In New York, yeah. All right. Yeah, and I grew up kind of having a mom that was just always solving business problems mm-hmm. at the dinner table, um, you know, on vacation. <laughs> she was always on the phone. And, um, you know, something that was really, really unique about my upbringing is she kind of engaged my brother and I in those conversations from a very early age. And, you know, she would always pose questions to us like, um, you know, this is happening with, you know, X, Y, and Z. What would you do? when I was like 12 years old, Mm. um, you know, and, and it definitely put me in this entrepreneurial mindset from an early age. Um, and I just, I knew it was what I I wanted to do. I wanted to solve problems for a living. Did you start it before you were born? Yeah, way before I was born. Way before you were born. Yeah. Where did she get that entrepreneurial bug? (sighs) From her parents. (laughs) (laughs) From her parents. Yeah. So, you know, back when, when my family came to America, um, from, um, from Russia. Uh-huh. Actually, yeah, um, they decided that they, you know, wanted to start what was then a small business, which now would, would, would be called a startup. Um, you know, they started a, a chemical dye company. Chemical, chemical, All the way back. also chemicals, yeah. Okay. Um, so dyes, indigos, and things to dye like towels and clothing, and uh, you know, support the budding industries of, of the time. It's an Ellis Island story. It is an Ellis Island Russia story. Russia to Manhattan, and yep. those are your roots. Yep. Huh. Yeah. So now your business also has kind of a chemical root. You're talking about nutrients yeah. and the chemical makeup of food. Um, when did you become interested in that? Yeah, so um, I was actually an athlete growing up. Um, I was a rower. And yes, I am short. But, uh, You're the second short rower I've had. That's great. On four <laughs> um, but not a coxswain. Um <laughs> So I was on, on the lightweight rowing team, crew team, and um, um, in high school, but also at uh, my freshman year at Penn. Okay. Um, and you know, in order to to be a rower, you have to fuel your body efficiently, and you have to know a lot about health and nutrition. Um, it is a um, grueling sport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you know, I've always been really well versed in health and nutrition, and I found that once I left you know, the academic world and, and kind of went into the real world, um, I had, I always had the aspiration to eat really well as I had previously. Uh, but then real life sets in and you just don't have the time. Um, and that's really where Daily Harvest came from. It was my own personal desire to eat as I aspired to, 
without the time to do it. So at your at your peak athletic state, yeah. Tell me about your diet and the decisions you're making. Yeah, so um, I would say very clean and lean. Um, so you know, I I'm a big believer in um, oh gosh, what's it called? I haven't I haven't thought about this in a really long time. Um, but That's right. you can just tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's it's this thing of it's like eating how our grandparents ate basically, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's all about you know. If it didn't exist when your grandparents were making you their, you know, like immigrant, uh, you know, inspired food, which is, you know, based in like, you know, what using entire animals and using, uh, you know, everything from, you know, having no waste, basically, mm-hmm. um, then you probably shouldn't be eating it. So, you know, always eating things that were whole and unrefined and unprocessed, um, you know, and balancing and, and think, thinking about things like, um, you know, bone broths years ago that you know now it's it's super popular um you know but that's always how i how i ate and it was very nutrient dense what about the fruits and vegetables which um, are a lot of the raw materials you're <laughs> in abundance so you know i i do eat meat our, our products are vegan um but i do eat meat and uh you know it's um it's just for me about nutrient density but you know my my diet is uh first and foremost plant-based so you didn't come out of school and go directly into being an entrepreneur. No. You took a couple of different jobs that helped you learn. Yeah. Was that deliberate? It was, yeah. So, you know, I knew that I needed some sort of um, foundation to really to really be able to hit the entrepreneurial scene with confidence. Um, you know, there are plenty of people who do it out of college. Um, I wanted to, you know, kind of test out my skills, mm-hmm. um, you know, on somebody else's time first, to be perfectly frank. Uh, you know, I think when you when you graduate college, it's, it's great to be able to jump in and to have, um, you know, the idea at that moment, but also, you know, until you have an idea, you don't want to be one of those people who's like, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I don't have an idea. Right. Because then you're kind of like grasping for straws and it, it doesn't work out. Was working for the family business an option? Um, not really something I'm interested in. I'm more of a, a right brain type person, mm. um, and this felt very more left brain to me. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I started my career at Four Seasons Hotels. Um, Doing so, I wanted to. I believe very much in customer centricity, um, and that is something that I've always believed in. Um, and I wanted to work in who I felt was the best in customer centricity. And when They're you think for. of right, and when yeah. you think of hospitality, and you know which brands stand out. Four Seasons definitely does. Did you go through the whole training? Um, so I didn't. I worked in the corporate office. Okay. Uh, they don't have a training like Hyatt and Marriott do. It's, it's a little bit different. Um, but, you know, I, I reached out through my alumni network and I, I found somebody who works there and I was like, I have to work for you. Like, I won't, like, I will tell you 50 things that I can do for you that you haven't even thought of. Um, and I found myself a role there. Um, and, I learned so much about, you know, just building a brand, building business around the customer, the customer always being first, um, you know, and, and it's almost like the brand was secondary to that, which so I found so powerful. Standout moment that you recall from early in your career at Four Seasons, a situation that kind of drove that home for you, that you take some inspiration from? Yeah, um, I would say probably one of the... Um, so there were a few events that we would host, right? And uh, I remember being at um, at an event, and I believe it was a property in Arizona. Um, and there was this 
family who I think their flight was canceled or something. They had young kids. Um, and I just remember that, you know, the GM of the hotel, actually, you know, not, not the front desk staff, not like the GM of, of the hotel came to that family, um, you know, and said, I understand you have your kid here. Um, and I believe that they were like low on like kid supplies at the time and, you know, being 22 or whatever, um, it didn't, it didn't yet appreciate <laughs> what that meant. Um, you know, but, but the GM showing such concern and, you know, sending out his SWAT team to make that family really comfortable in a moment where they were just, um, they were, they were clearly uncomfortable and, uh, you know, stressed out by the situation and just seeing how he, you know, diffused that situation and not only made it better, but also elevated it and made it like, you know, just made me such lemonade from the situation um, was a real moment for me. Since then, you've become a mom. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, when you were forming the company, you were in the process. Yes. So I started Daily Harvest when I was about seven months pregnant. Um, why? Yeah, because <laughs> I had the idea. And, okay. you know, it's one of those things where um, what I often hear from people is they have an idea, but it's not the right time. Mm. And just, like, I'm a, I'm a believer in stoic philosophy. Mm. Uh, it's just kind of how I operate. And I'm like, I can do it now or I can do it later, but the later might not happen. So what's the worst thing that can happen from starting this now? Um, maybe life gets too overwhelming. Um, you know, maybe, you know, I start to have some guilt about not being there for my kids or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but, you know, having a mother that was an entrepreneur... So knowing that, you know, my, my kids would probably benefit from me not being around all the time, um, you know, and, and just kind of having that, that stoic uh, way of looking at it, I was like, I'm going to do it now because there's never going to be a good time. But did you have the idea in part because you were seven months pregnant and all the not craziness really. that comes from no. It kind of just, like, happened, but I would say that that, um, you know, there's obviously more of a need to, to think about your nutrition at that time in life. Uh, so I would say I absolutely was like, oh, I really should get this together. <laughs> so what was your aha moment when you get, ah, daily harvest, yes. smoothies, right. this is So it. I started uh, meal prepping on Sunday nights for myself and my husband. Um, you know, we were both early risers. We both liked to go to the gym before work. Um, you know, we're up at like five or six. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I really wanted to be able to eat something that we felt really good at, good about in the morning before running out the door. I found that we were eating bars. Um, you know, we were eat, we were going to these, like, quick solutions that just didn't quite solve the problem for me. Uh, they solved half of it, but not the whole thing. Modern eating dilemma. Right. Um, so I started meal prepping it and I started bagging up smoothie ingredients for myself and my husband on Sunday nights, popping them in the freezer. And I was like, you know what? This is not only solving a problem for me, but, you know, looking at my husband, who's a wonderful guy, he can't butter toast. Um, He's just not so great in the kitchen. Um, Watching him be able to make something that he felt really good about and to be able to take an active role in it, so it's not just grabbing a bottle and opening it, um, you know, pouring something into a blender, turning it on. There's there's something very psychological there um, that I caught on to. And I was like, if he can make a smoothie that he feels really good about, that's you know perfect every time, takes 30 seconds, fits into his life, then there was something there. Um, so you know what I did is I got myself a commercial kitchen in Long Island City, 
Um, and yeah, seven months pregnant, standing on my feet all day long, was bagging up smoothies with my right hand and my left hand, employee number one and employee number two, <laughs> um, delivering everything in my car, and um, you know, just really like hustling to, to prove out the MVP. How'd you fund it? Um, so I self-funded in the beginning. It did not require a lot of capital at all because I built the website by myself. Um, you know, I only had to, the way that I, uh, I built the subscription model is I only had to fund um, inventory for things that were already purchased. Hmm, okay. So it was just not very capital intensive and I bootstrapped for about eight, eight months. But you needed a commercial kitchen. Yes, but I was able to, to pay for it with funds that had already come in. Oh, wow. So yeah, I rented it by the hour. So did you initially start out of your home then and then move to the... No, because you can't. Right. Um, in the state of New York, you cannot. That wasn't an option. So how did you get orders? Um, so I started with friends and family. Um, you know, and the metric that I set for myself to, to really, like, dive in head first and, you know, stop, stop the presses on everything else in my life uh, was when five times more people who I didn't know were ordering than those who I did. Hmm. And that was, to me, when... Um, you know, I, I felt that the MVP had, had would have been proven, and it happened really quickly. How quickly? Uh, it would happen in about eight weeks. Eight weeks? Yeah, it was kind of crazy. Nice. And it, it had said to me that I'd really kind of hit a court, um, and I'd solved a problem for, you know, not only myself, but for other people who were looking for solutions. And you're about three years in? Uh, two. Two years in? Two years in. Um, what can you tell two me? Two change. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, but we only launched nationally a year ago. Okay. Yeah. What can you tell me about um, some metrics, some stats on, on how you're doing, or how many yeah. smoothies you're delivering? Yeah, or? of course. So um, we've sold almost 3 million uh, cups. So I say cups because we're not just smoothies anymore. Right. Um, which is, is really exciting. Um, you know, and again, product market fit, like it just continues to, to prove that we've, we've struck a chord. And how much do I have to pay for a cup? How does that work? Um, so it ranges. And, you know, it's uh, if you're in a major urban area and you, you're limited on, on freezer space, um, you're more likely to buy our smaller boxes. So we're $7.99. And then, you know, if you have a little bit more freezer space, maybe a freezer in your, in your garage or in your basement, um, we have our 24 box, which is about $6.99 a cup. Um, you know, for all fully organic, unrefined, whole ingredients, um, you know, you open our cups and you see all of those ingredients, and that's a huge differentiator. It's the same stuff that you would get at, you know, any of the juice bars that are, are selling, you know, high-quality organic wow. options. So I open up the cup and then I do what? So you see all the ingredients, you fill it with liquid, you dump it in the blender, and 30 seconds later you've got a smoothie. Ah. And if I'm making nice cream, same yes, concept? Same concept. So what's really fun about our, our nice creams is we actually have a little toppings pack. So, for example, one of our flavors is a chocolate hazelnut. You open the, you open the, uh, the cup, you take out the little hazelnut crumble on top, and you add about a quarter cup of liquid, you pour it in the blender, you blend 30 seconds, and then you pour the toppings back on top, and you've got that, like, crunchy ice cream, uh, you know, satisfaction. And soups. And soups, all yeah. Bl all blendable. Yes, but our soups are actually not blended. Okay. Um, so our soups are, uh, you open the cup and you see actually uh, noodles made out, or zoodles, or boodles, whatever you call them. Uh, you know, zucchini noodles, carrot noodles, butternut squash mm. noodles made out of only vegetables. Um, and some incredible spices and other vegetables. And you add water and you heat. Ah, okay. 
are the smoothies still the most popular? They are, but you know they kind of came first. We also yeah. have the biggest uh, breadth of product, so we have uh, 14 SKUs. Where our soups right now we only have six, but we're uh, sorry, we only have three. We're launching three on Sunday. Are you set up to be direct from here on out, or? Are you looking at larger retail that Yeah, so right now I think we're, I'm sticking to direct for a few reasons. Um, one, as I mentioned, I think the freezer aisle is, is a little broken. There's mm-hmm. a lot of misconceptions. I, I don't think that the customer who's looking for health and wellness solutions is necessarily shopping in the freezer aisle. Right. Um, yeah, another thing that I think is really interesting about Frozen is, um, you know, you walk down that, that aisle and, you know, I don't know. It's cold <laughs> um, temperature, but also you know the feeling that you get. Like it's it's covered glass in glass. It's glass and metal, yeah. and it's um, you know it's frosted. You can't really see or interact with the products that are there. You open the freezer, you get like a, a whoosh of cold. You also start feeling guilty that you're wasting energy, so you close that that really quickly. You're not really interacting with what's inside. So I, I believe direct to consumer is is definitely the way to go for frozen. Um, you know you can you can kind of understand what you're getting in a much uh, more robust fashion by, by looking on our website and reading about each ingredient and understanding the nutrition profile. We're sitting here at the NASDAQ, and I just happened to look up and see Whole Foods Market listed in 1992. Amazon just bought yeah. them. You are growing your young company in this environment where the way people buy things is yep. changing really quickly. How much do you think about that? Or yeah. at the stage where you are, is that kind of somebody else's no I think about it every day I really do and I think um, you know what's going to happen in in the world of CPG is going to be really interesting because consumer packaged goods consumer packaged goods yeah I think that um, you know Whole Foods and Amazon are going to be a behemoth Uh, and you know of course nobody knows exactly what the plans are Um, you know but I think that that you know the world of CPG is about is about to be very shaken up and very mixed up um, you know, it's another reason why I'm very bullish on direct-to-consumer, because I, I believe that that is the future. You eventually did decide to raise some money to grow the business. Yes, absolutely. When I realized that I was kind of stifling growth, um, you know, and, and the opportunity to, to really kind of expand and, um, you know, meet the, the vision that I had for the future of the business. When did I you realize to, that? Um, not about eight months in. Okay. About eight months in. I what was happened? Like, you know, I kept having these opportunities present themselves. Um, for growth and I was it was just me and one other person um, so what did you need if you were going to take advantage of that more people more space I needed, I it? needed it all I okay. needed more people I needed more space I needed more infrastructure I needed to be able to invest in, in things like equipment um, you know I needed to to be able to place POs with with farmers for um, you know ahead of time mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know all these things that come with scale uh, were just starting to become difficult. And as soon as they started, if I wanted to continue to grow, I knew you know, I had to be thinking six months down the road. So how long ago was this? Um, so we, we closed our first round of funding a little over a year ago, mm-hmm. um, and very shortly after launched nationally. And so who did you go to? Um, a lot of angels. Uh, we did a lot of angel investment. We used one institutional investor. And so for people who aren't familiar with the investing world, people yeah. who tend to invest, what, less than $200,000 yeah. once? Yep, um, and you know we cobbled together a very small round. We raised about eight hundred thousand um, dollars. That's you know, not a lot. 
It's not a lot, especially you know in, in the world of venture. Yeah. Um, is that intentional, or is that kind of well, you not really being totally sure you want to? It was a, a little bit of both. Um, I wasn't entirely sure it was really what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I was at I was at Guild Group before starting Daily Harvest, mm-hmm. and um, retailer. Huge retailer, e-commerce, part of what I, I call like e-com 1.0, mm-hmm. where you know they were kind of the first ones out there, and they raised a lot of money. Um, and I was I was a little gun shy uh, because of that. Um, didn't want to lose control. I didn't want to lose control. I also, you know, I, I think um, sometimes what happens, and, and not all investors are like this, um, you know, and. and not necessarily even the guilt investors, um, you know, but I think what happens is you raise too much money too soon. Uh, you can be forced to almost grow the top line of the business artificially and, you know, lose sight on the foundation of the business and, and focusing on things like, oh, gas, profits. Right. <laughs> so all the, think about all the things that you could sell versus, right. eh, is this really a good idea to sell this thing? Is it going to make money long term? Is it really what the core mission right. of the brand is about? Right. So, you know, I, I was kind of like dabbling in it. Okay. Um, and, you know, also had built the, the business in a pretty asset light fashion um, and also had a great cash conversion cycle. So I was able to really, um, you know, do a lot with a little. Mm. So... You're an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. daughter of an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. an, another woman entrepreneur. Yeah. Were you prepared for some of the unique challenges that women startup founders face? Did anything surprise you? Um, you know, I, I, fundraising twice while pregnant um, was very interesting. Uh, you know, some people were fantastic, and I think... Um, I was surprised by how great those people are. Mm. And similarly, I was surprised by how um, unforward thinking some of the others were. Right. How did um, they demonstrate their lack of forward thinking? Yeah. So, you know, people saying things like, um, you know, won't you feel like, how do you plan to be a good mom and a good business owner at the same time? They're both full time jobs. Um, you know, and it got to a point where I had a very strategic canned answer to these questions that kept on coming up. And I would say, um, you know, if what you're asking is if I'm 100% dedicated to seeing this business succeed, then my answer is yes. And that's how I would answer it. Mm. Did you end up taking money from any of those investors? Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> so that was a deal breaker, right? It was, it was a hard pass. <laughs> um, but, you know, there are people who, I don't think they meant anything by it. I really don't. I think they were, it was more like curiosity and probably from personal experience. Hmm. Um, really? I, I mean, maybe they didn't intend to mean anything. Well, that's what I mean. But it signaled something. Oh, it absolutely signaled something. And I I read between the lines. It it signaled to me that they didn't believe that that I could do both. Um, You know, and they felt that, you know, a woman had to choose between those two paths. And, um, you know, having been through, you know, two rounds of funding now, um, you know, scaling your business over, you know, 200% in a year, um, you know, quadrupling my team, um, you know, and having seen the the growth that we've seen, um, you know, and, and kind of looking back on it, I honestly think I'm stronger because I have these other things that I'm also, um, you know, growing, like humans. <laughs> because 
it makes you make tough choices? It, it, say, it, it, prioritize? It, also, it makes me prioritize. It makes me really efficient. Mm. Um, I don't waste my time with things that I don't think are going to, you know, have an ROI. And, um, you know, the other thing is that I'm, I'm very strict with my schedule. So um, my entire team knows and everybody in my life knows that from the hours of 5.30 to 7.30, don't talk to me. I do not pick up my phone. I do not answer emails because I am home every night with my kids from 5, 5.30 to 7.30. And I also think kind of taking that break and changing, you know, my entire mindset for those two hours, it's almost like a meditation for me. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it really is. Like, I, I get that headspace, and then I dive right back in at 7.30. It's amazing what we can do with boundaries. Yes. Right? Absolutely. How, how productive they make us when you know... Either it's I'm going to work out at this time in the morning right. or this time in the evening belongs to family. Or, right. You know, you get so much done around those things. It's incredible. It's incredible. And, you know, it's just it's setting the expectation up front. Even my investors now, like, just don't try it because I'm not going to pick up. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you now in the growth trajectory and kind of fundraising process? Yeah. You've been through two rounds. Yep. When did you close your last round? Um, February. Okay. February. So it's been a little while. Yeah. Um, and we're definitely looking at next steps very shortly. Um, you know, something that that I am very committed to is is not bringing in more money into the business than is necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't see a measure of success for startup as raising another bigger round at a higher valuation. I just I, I don't like I would I would like to somehow have the business start funding itself. Um, you know, and, and we're we're getting you know that's kind of where we're headed. So. Um, you know, this this next round will will be to that end. My thanks to Rachel Drory. I'm John Ford from CNBC, and this has been Fort Knox: Rich Ideas and Powerful People. Subscribe on Apple's podcast app or wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Please do leave a review if you enjoyed this. Also, subscribe to the Fort Knox channel on YouTube, fortknox.com slash YouTube. Follow me also on Facebook and Twitter. You'll see video from these interviews, and you can say hi to me live, usually Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. There I tackle some of the most interesting business and economic issues with a little help from my friends at CNBC and from you. Just go to YouTube and search for Fort Knox, or go to Facebook and search for John Fort, and you know what to do from there. Meanwhile, share this. Tell a friend, drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or fortknox.com. That's F-O-R-T-T-K-N-O-X.com. And as always, thank you for lending an ear. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.